0: Hello, folks. It's Jay from J Talk. here to talk about Anchor. We just switched to Anchor from our previous hosting service for our podcast. Uh, a couple of highlight points. It's free um It's got great tools for recording and editing your podcast on your phone or on the computer on the phone on the go. Make some good content there. um You can also add some songs from Spotify. uh make your own radio show. Look forward to mine. Um, I hope you guys like it. Um, of course, Anchor has great tools for publishing or distributing your podcast to other platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, and then you can try it. You can make money off your podcast, you know, with no minimum listenership. Um, it's really everything you need, and, and I love the analytics. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, folks, this is Jay from Talk. And, of course, we've got our wonderful co-host, Nick from The Nick Job. And here I am. Yep. And so, of course, we welcome back uh, Abigail from Refreshingly50.com.
1: Abby! Uh, hello, hello!
2: Awesome.
0: How are y'all doing? I'm, we will let Abby go first this week, if you yes. don't mind, Nick. Abby, how's we how to- your week been
2: so far?
1: You know, it's been a week. It's It's been one of those weeks, but it has uh, been more good than bad. So I'm just focusing on the good parts. How about you, Nick? How's it, how was your week?
2: You know, I'm back at work. I'm starting to dig in and get back to square one. I was a little worried after being off for three months to get my brain going again, to get my, my rhythm and all that. So that was a little bit of a struggle. So this week I'm I'm in the game. Here's the cool part. I'm off Friday and all next week. So (laughs) I'm going in and then I'm going right back out again for 11 days. So that's awesome. My birthday's next week. So I always take the week off.
0: I I won't tell anyone how old you are.
2: I am celebrating the second anniversary of my 28 and a half birthday.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's it. 28.
2: Yeah, Something like that. No. I think my numbers are off.
0: Yeah, I think your numbers are <laughs> off, but I think we're good.
2: <laughs> I got to work on that one. <laughs>
1: oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> 29 and a
0: half is, I think, what the actual one is. Uh, uh, we could have, you know, that one year. Okay. You know, I
2: know. I was yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, that was two years you cut off, dude. You're, you're really what? trying to. Yeah, <laughs> two okay. years. Whatever.
2: <laughs> so Jay, how's, how's, how's the house and how are the kids and how's what's going on?
0: So, uh, you know, I just wanted to share, folks, a uh, little update. One, I made a comment last week, you know, some people might find a little insensitive um, and a little um, impersonal. Um, I made a comment last week that, you know, I didn't want to go into the hospital because every time somebody goes into the hospital, they die. You know, and and I know there are a lot of people who have been dying from COVID and and a lot of people have gone into the hospital and I've had friends and, uh, you know, friends had had relatives that, you know, have died from COVID And, and I didn't want to sound insensitive to their plight, but this was just my own personal fear because I honestly, that's just, you know, I don't like hospitals. I don't like doctors. I don't like any of that. I'm going right. to share a story with everyone today, because my son did go into the hospital uh, right after we recorded the last episode. Um, he was in the hospital. He just came out today. Um, at basically, we got home about one thirty, which is really good news. Um, for me, I don't think it was. Um, no offense to anyone at the hospital. I don't think it was um, the meds. I don't think it was, you know, the doctors or the nurses. nurses. Uh, I truly believe it was by the grace of God, all my friends who showed love and prayers for my son, and that's why he's with us today. Amen. So. Amen. um, You know, I can honestly say that if we hadn't have been there, if my ex-wife hadn't have been there with him, at the hospital, I don't think he would have been with us today.
2: Wow, was that rough? Um, Man, I mean, I know
0: you know yes. I kept in touch
2: with you and stuff like that, but
0: oh no, no, he was not being neglected left and right, really. For, for the first twenty-four hours, they had him laying in the hallway, and just next to other patients, just laying there, didn't even. Testing with anything, um, didn't have any EKG machine hooked up. Didn't have anything. Um, it wasn't until he started to have 195 heart rate that they even bothered to look at it. Wow! And 195, he could have gone into cardiac arrest, right? I mean, there could have been so many other problems, and. You know, it wasn't until he hit that that they actually moved him into an emergency room. And then from there, he finally got a normal room where they monitored his vitals, monitored his oxygen. He had COVID pneumonia, which means his oxygen levels were dipping so low that he wasn't getting enough oxygen to the brain and oxygen to the body and oxygen to the lungs. Wow. So... But because my wife was there and stayed there and when I would come and take her place during the daytime and she would stay there at night. But we basically took care of him, helped him back and forth to the bathrooms, you know, made sure he ate food, gave him Gatorade. We babied him the entire time he was in the hospital. The nurses, even when he called to get help to go to the bathroom, it took them more than an hour to even get there to help him out. Wow. And no offense to any of the nurses there, but every time I walked out, the nurses were just sitting behind the counter. And I know they may have been monitoring other vitals and stuff, but, you know, come on. So this is going to be my my complaint to the hospital system. And I know I'm going to piss a lot of people off, but I don't care because I have just experienced it firsthand. Number one, you shouldn't have let everybody go just because they didn't want to take the poke. No offense, but you know what? The reason why you're struggling to keep up with all the cases is because you didn't keep the damn nurses and the doctors who were there in the beginning. should have kept it. No offense, the poke doesn't matter. Everybody's getting COVID, and it doesn't matter whether you got it or not. That's my number one complaint. Number two, I understand they're busy. Because even the nurses and the doctors are getting COVID. So, of course, they're out. But it seems, in my opinion, compared to five years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, the healthcare system has really, and maybe this is just the hospital I went to, but it has gone to crap. It is really bad. They don't care like they used to. Or maybe the people who cared are the ones they let go. I don't know which, but it was really bad. Wow. So there's my rant and my rave. Junior is home, not because of the doctors, not because of the nurses, but because he had family who cared about him and people who prayed for him.
2: But he did sound good when I talked to him a little bit ago.
0: He did. He did. He sounds a lot better. He's moving around. Um, it seems like he's over his pneumonia, and that's the key point. He's home. He's in his own bed. He's feeling really good. Now, part of the reason I, why I wanted to share this is not just for the reason of you know bashing on the hospital system, but part of it is is Monday and Tuesday of last week, Jay was having a really tough time, and he was having anxiety and panic attack um, because of his own mortality. And so that was really hard for him because, you know, he came in and he sat down and he was like, Dad, I just, you know, am I doing the right thing in my life? And I'm like, yes. You know, he just, he's feeling sick. He's feeling lost. He's, you know, COVID's taken everything out of him. He just really is having a hard time. And so the reason why I wanted to share that is, you know, we sat down we talked and he talked to his mom and he talked to his friends. But that's a really hard thing for mental health to deal with. You know, COVID's really taken its toll on people. So I, I COVID has really affected a lot of people with mental health, and, and it's a very important thing to talk about. And it's part of the reason why we've kind of, um, this episode, we're going to be talking about suicide prevention. Um uh Abigail is going to be sharing her story today, and but I wanted to share my kind of, you know, little story there to kind of lead us into this, you know, because everyone is struggling and, and not everybody knows how to deal with, with their struggles, and that's where the mental health comes in. So thankfully, my son, he has good family members that love him and, you know, friends that love him, and we're all there to support him you know but not everybody has that. Right. Um and with that, I'm going to kind of turn it over to Abigail and um Abigail's going to tell us a little bit about um her experience and you know the the whole uh suicide prevention and uh you know everything that goes with that. It's not one of our fun episodes, folks. I know. But you know what? It's a real It's a real situation and not talking about it doesn't do it justice. You know what? So we need to talk about it. We need to let people know they can find help. So um, we are, I don't want to say happy, but we are thankful Abby is willing to talk about her story. So from me to you, Abigail, thank you. Well, thanks for
1: having me on again. It's, Really nice to see both of your faces again, and I had no idea that you were going through what you were going through. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I- I'm happy that your son is home, and and you know, just to branch off on that just a little bit with the lockdowns, especially the suicide rates just jumped. I I, I don't even know what the percentages. I haven't even looked. Um, but it was it was one of my first thoughts.
0: And you know, it's funny because I actually talked to Cammie and I think I saw a post. I don't remember if she made it, but before the pandemic, it was one in 10 adults considered suicide. You want to take a wild guess what the actual one in
1: is now? You mean during the lockdowns, 1 yeah. in 10 considered?
0: But Before the lockdown, it was 1 in 10 adults had considered suicide. And during? After and during, what would you take as a wild guess?
1: I, I wouldn't even venture I guess.
2: know. I wouldn't even begin to say 1,
0: one in 5. 1 in
1: 4. Gee. 1 in
0: 4 adults. So we went from 1 in 10 to 1 in a 4 d- adults had considered suicide not that they had tried or not that but just the fact that they had considered and this is people that openly admitted they considered suicide that's an astounding number
1: it truly is that's a lot it truly is so that was one of my first thoughts because you i have people that come up to me all the time and they say why are you so nice to people why are you just? Why are you the one that walks up to a stranger and says, "Wow, well, you know, I love your jeans or your hair looks great or man, those are some nice boots or or whatever it is." And my response always is, "You never know what that person's going through. That person could be on the edge and you know, a kind word from a stranger may make a difference, it may not, but it may." You know, obviously, I am never going to know what the outcome is of you know trying to be nice to to people, but it is, uh, it's what I do. Um, just because having lived through what I've gone through, I know how important that is.
0: I will disagree with you and say I know how people are going to act. What do you mean? Kindness is always going to perpetuate kindness. That little kindness you do today, you may not see it. But you know it's going to make a difference. To pay it forward. Yes, 100%.
1: Yeah.
0: The key there is is you won't see it, but you know how it affects people. Because you know how it affects you.
1: That's true. That's true. I truly appreciate, you know, the random times during my life when—and it always seems like it's a God moment for me. Um, I am a Christian, And it always feels like it's a God moment, you know, when I'm struggling or when I'm really down and my mental health is not at where it should be. It seems like those are the moments where um, a complete stranger will be kind to me for no reason and absolutely random. And and it's truly appreciated, I know, for me um, because of what I'm dealing with, everything else that's going on in my life. And it's happened throughout my 50 years on this rock. Yes, I am only 50. Damn it. (laughs) Her birthday's
0: coming up, though, so you know.
1: Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason for that is because of what I went through as a kid. Um, I grew up with a, well, I didn't grow up with, I had my mother until I was 15. She was bipolar. She was um, she was a master at hiding it. So uh, the people that she worked with, you know, they knew my mother. Her name was Stephanie. They knew Stephanie as this vibrant, redheaded, gorgeous woman that was the life of the party. She was smart. She was artistic. She was well read. She was equally kind. She worked in the medical profession. She was a certified nursing assistant at our little local medical clinic where everybody went. So she knew everybody in town. And the outside of that, the signs that we, uh, her family, saw at home were the incredible ups and downs. Um, So when she would hit her lows and not get out of bed, um, not talk to anyone. You know, just uh, find her on the floor crying, and not you know, un- unstoppable crying, and um, you know where she could barely catch her breath, and you and you couldn't. There was no there was no reason. She could never tell you what was wrong. So that was the house that I grew up in, and uh, she had two attempts, two failed attempts. Um, before she was successful, I hate to use that word, um, but before she took her life. And she... um, All all three times were overdoses with medication that she had stolen from work um, Mm -hmm. because she was so well-liked and she had access to drugs that she should not have had access to. But again, those people at work didn't know what she was going through. They had no idea. We saw... um, You know, she died on June 15th of 1986, and so uh, for the month of May and maybe a little bit of April prior to that day, um, she had started getting up very very early in the morning, and she would drive. We lived right on Lake Huron, and she would drive to the beach and she would paint um, the sunrise. And it was it was odd, uh, but it was something that she was doing, and she did it every Single day, but she never brought home the paintings. None of us—I've asked my siblings and my stepfather. None of us have ever seen a painting of those sunrises that she did. Now we all have her artwork in our homes, but um, it was just—it was just odd. And I remember as being 15 and thinking something's not right, something's coming, and I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know, but I had that feeling
0: so so thinking about uh thinking back to it though, I guess that was I mean we talked about this on the uh with Cammie, is, is most people they're happy right before they know they're you know that's gonna their their pain is going to end is how they look at it, and so do you think that she was going to the beach and she was releasing all her? pain and her happiness into these paintings because she felt that she knew there was an end coming, And so she felt release and relief or, I mean, it's just a question. I don't know. I'm just asking, you know, it's your mom. So, you know, do you think that would be, you know, an accurate statement?
1: I would, um, 100% agree that that's an accurate statement. So with her failed attempts, Back then, you know, I'm going to refer to it as a a million years, you know, affectionately, it was a million years ago. Back then, bipolarity was not a diagnosis. And so if you were bipolar, they put you on Prozac. There weren't a plethora of medications to choose from. They didn't really know what they were dealing with in its entirety. They just knew that something was really wrong. You know, the mood swings. And, you know, because she was female, was it hormonal? Was it, you know, they didn't know what it was. So they put her on Prozac. And um, we know now that during that time period when she, she stopped taking her Prozac because she was just a zombie while she was on it. Right. Um, So there were no ups, no downs, no anything. She was just there. But she stopped taking the Prozac, and then the painting started, and then she died about 45 days later. So I do agree with you. I think that she was coming to terms with it. I think she was preparing, and I think that she was trying to do it in her mind in a way where it it would have the least impact on those that she left behind And that it would be, you know, where she wasn't going to hurt anyone else, which um, is absolutely 100% impossible to do if you commit suicide. If you take your life, you are going to hurt others. There's no way around that. Um, And I feel like I need to say this, too, uh, just in case I let one slip. uh, This is a topic, obviously, that is near and dear to my heart, has had a huge impact on who I am. And so I tend to get a little passionate about it. And occasionally and I drop F-bombs when I'm talking about something that I'm passionate about. So I apologize now if I let one slip.
0: No worries. No worries. It's a sensitive subject. I, we understand. Yes. Um, yeah. So, but I, I liked um, how you put that, though, thinking about it, you know, the zombie kind of um, on Prozac. You know, I mean, in the past, I've heard that, I mean, I I don't know, but I mean, wasn't Prozac also can lead to that kind of suicidal thoughts and things? Didn't they prove that eventually? Um, Eventually. Yeah, so it kind of, you know, we don't know that that wasn't contributing to the whole craziness of, of not her being crazy, but just, I mean, meds do things to your brain. It has nothing to do with who you are. It's, meds can do stuff to your brain. And so you mix that with the bipolar reality, and I can't even imagine. I mean, that had to have been hard on you guys as kids, you know, when your mom goes to that extreme. that That's just, I, I can't imagine. I, and I want to say, you know, from me to you, that had to have been very hard. And, you know, going through what I went through with Andrew It's not like what you went through. You had to live this day in, day out of seeing your mom just go through those ups and downs and the, you know, emotional roller coaster that you actually witnessed her mental health. Whereas for me, I didn't witness Andrews. I only got the result. And that's got to be hard. So um you know i i don't i don't even know if i could you know we always say that god only gives us what we can handle but in this situation this was the devil he gave you more than what you could handle
1: well thank you for that i agree um it was tough as kids i think that the the saving grace of it was though that you know um i have three siblings two brothers and a sister and so we were seventeen, fifteen, eleven, and eight Ooh. when she died. Okay. So, um, I I do I, I consider this the saving grace that our brains were not fully developed to 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 understand the impact, the full capacity of what had happened. So, in in, in our child brains, and for each of us, is different. You know, from the eight year old to the seventeen year old. The eight year old, when he was told that mom had died and was, you know, was not coming home, his question was, can I still go to my soccer game? You know, he didn't he couldn't put he couldn't put that together. He didn't understand what was happening. Right. Whereas, but,
0: but but he was told that she had died, not that she had taken her own life. It's a little different, a little easier to manage, I guess. Would you agree?
1: I would agree. Okay. I would agree. Okay, go ahead. Because I, I have no idea how you would sit an eight-year-old down and explain that to them, where they could understand it. Yeah. Um, I know from my sister and I, my stepfather, um, you know, he and my mother's brother went to identify the body. And what she did was she got into her car. She had a Ford Pinto, a dark green Ford Pinto and she drove it into this farmer's field where the 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 point where you access the field kind of had this berm. So she once you went up and over the berm, her car was low enough and small enough that you couldn't see it from the road. And she obviously had found this spot long before this day. She went. She drove through this field. Um, there was a creek that ran through it that had some trees that were shaded. You know, it was a very natural, beautiful setting, and um, parked there uh, had um, a, a hot fudge sundae, and um, that was and and a bottle of wine to wash down the meds, and and unfortunately, uh, the farmer found her about four days later while he was out there on his tractor. So he was the one that found her. My uncle and my stepfather went and identified um, her remains. And my stepfather came to my sister and I because we were 15 and 17. And he said, Look, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, If you want to go see her, you can. He said, But I want to, to do my best here to protect you. And I'm telling you that the only way that we could identify her was by her jewelry and her hair color because she was a redhead and obviously the jewelry. And he said, I don't want that to be the way that you remember your mother. It's your choice if you guys want to go to say goodbye in, in this state, but I don't want that to be what sticks in your brain. And so we didn't. We both were like, no, we're good. We're not doing that. Good for you. Um, I think it was a good and, idea. Yeah, and I'm very thankful for that, you know, that he actually had the forethought and wasn't like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, march my kids in here so that they can say goodbye to their mom. So that was uh that was nice of him to do. Um, I don't know how much further you want me to go as far as this goes, but Just share as think, much as you want. I think it's important to say, so my mother was thirty-four when she died, and she um on her side of the family, my maternal grandmother came from a family of 13 children. And of those 13 children, seven of them committed suicide.
0: Okay. Take Nobody. their own take their own life. We're going to try to get away from the committed suicide
1: term. So, okay. Yeah. Take their own life. Yeah. Nobody ever spoke of it. Nobody knew anything about it. We didn't learn about it until my mom had probably been gone for 10 or 15 years.
0: What? and then
1: all of a sudden it started to come out because back then people didn't talk about it and if someone in your family took their own life it was it was this this mark of shame on the family so to have a family where seven of them took their own lives it's just it it was just unheard of so no one spoke of it not my grandmother no one spoke of it so there was this hereditary trait that was there that my mother carried with her completely unbeknownst to her. Mental health. Not that there was necessarily a lot that that could have been done, but just to be aware of it. Now, obviously I'm hyper aware of it, but, um, you know, it was, it was all brought to light far too late.
0: That is crazy. Seven out of 13, only six of them did not take their own lives. That's an insane number for one family i can't even imagine um and the fact that they kept it hush and didn't try to you know figure out what the heck was going on that's i mean i know you're you're right i mean this was when we were younger i mean you know the technology the studies the the foundations didn't even exist like they do today i mean that's just it's insane you know, so um but you have all your siblings and, and you guys broke the uh broke the
1: mold. We broke the pattern. Yes. Right? We broke the pattern. Which brings up um a, a really morbid point. So my I am the spitting image of my mother. I sound like her, I look like her, I talk like her, apparently I have the same mannerisms. And um, I remember as a child, people would say that to her. They'd be like, geez, she's a carbon copy of you. And it bothered her. And I, did not, I never understood why it bothered her so much. I know now that it bothered her because I think that, you know, she was smart enough to realize that she was fighting her demons and she didn't want that for me. So she would always say no, she, you know. Abigail is nothing like me. Abigail is her own person, you know, and she would always try to to have that differentiation there. Um, but like I said, there there was this mark of shame on us, you know, her kids that were left behind, and on our stepdad, you know, we were we were Stephanie Spinella's um, family, you know, the one that she left behind, and and we felt that shame so much so that. I remember, like, you know, in college or even afterwards, when I would date someone, get to that point where you start to tell a little bit more about yourself. And I'd have to, I'd feel like I have to sit them down and say, it was her burden that I was carrying. And I'd have to make, have, you know, I'd make this statement or admit to the fact that my mother took her life. And most people were like, Wow. You know, I'm really sorry to hear that, but that doesn't change the way that I feel about you. But in my mind, it was this this mark of shame. So, when
2: Okay. Where'd you go? Here we go. What
1: happened?
0: Sorry about that. I lost internet. Oh, no. Yeah, no worries. I'm nice. sorry about that. I'm It's not your fault. Okay, so where do we where where did we leave? I'm sorry.
2: Who are really saying know. bad things about you? I know,
0: I know. Sorry about that, folks. You know, <laughs> gotta love that's that's the I'll hazards to, of uh, remote, you know, uh, interviews.
2: Are we uh, back to recording?
0: We are back back to recording. I never stopped it. I'll just cut out the little dead spot there. So oh, okay, I apologize, folks. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt Abigail and her wonderful story. Um, wonderful is probably a not the right term but you you know what i mean uh, she was doing such a great job and so uh yeah sorry about that
1: That's okay. All
0: good, brother. All good. Yeah. We so, all
1: have technical difficulties.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, we were in the middle of um we had broken the cycle um with you and your um and you know you were dating is what you were like kind of last thing and you would explain to people that you know your mom had taken her own life, and I think that's where we left off before our wonderful internet cut out. So, um, if you don't mind, okay, is, is that are you good?
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, so I felt like I it was something it was her burden that I, I had to bear that I had to um, you know make sure that people knew this about me that this happened in my life and that you know it somehow was a negative mark for me. Um, even though, you know, I did nothing here, right. um, but I, I carried that weight and, um, it took me a long time to, a long time to let that part go. So my mother died when she was 34. And I told you that, you know, we were the spitting image of each other. And somewhere along the way, I had convinced myself that since I was the spitting image of her, that I too was probably going to take my own life by the time I was 34, that I wasn't meant to stick around. And um, as 34 approached, I, you know, obviously became very anxious. I was like, but I don't want to do this. This is not something, this is not my path. And obviously, you know, sought out my own assistance, my own um, mental health professional to help me walk through that and actually help me with that um, separation that, you know, she, those were her actions. that was something that she did. You had nothing to do with this. This is not your burden to bear and um really helped me let go of of that act in and of itself. not let go of her, but just let go of that act so that um I didn't feel like it was it was something that I needed to do as well and um and I'm forever thankful for that. But I think that it's really important that um, that people now talk about it because nobody talked about it. I remember riding the school bus and there was like this hush-hush because all of a sudden our school bus driver that I had had probably since I was in kindergarten stopped driving the school bus. And nobody would say why. And then um, it later came out that his wife had taken her life. But nobody talked about it. Nobody said, you know, the school bus driver is, you know, going to take six months off or however long it was because of his wife took her life. Nobody said that. Nobody talked about it. And so it was just never anything that anyone talked about. And if you don't talk about it, then the situation, you know, history repeats itself. And I think that the only way that you can get that out there is actually – uh talk about it more help people you know make make the resources aware go ahead
0: yeah i was going to comment on that is you know one of the things cami talked about and one of the misconceptions that you know, for a long time was if you talked about it you gave people ideas on to do it and you remember what cami talked about that talking to someone about suicide doesn't tell them to to take their own life It doesn't tell them they should do suicide Talking about suicide actually means you care And tells them that, you know Hey, you don't want to do this And and I think that was a big misconception back then Is, is you know, that's a hush-hush Because you don't want to tell people that You know, taking their life or, you know Doing suicide is, you know, an option You They're going to find that option Whether you tell them about it or not talking to them about it may save them from doing it. And and that's one I of agree. the things Cami really em- emphasized and talked about when you, it, don't you remember that Nick?
2: Yes, absolutely. So,
0: um, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt, I, but I just kind of wanted to jump in on that. And it was, it, it back then you're right. We, it, everything, I don't know, it, age difference, whatever, but it's, it's crazy. So,
2: it's just like anything else. We've learned so much and we used to think don't talk about it because it's embarrassing. Not anymore. If we talk about it, we know that we're gonna get to somebody that might be having those thoughts. And that's that's the whole goal nowadays. And I think everybody understands that this day and age.
0: I I don't know everybody does, but I I hope they
2: start. Well, that's, we're going to make them.
0: Yeah, well, that's why we're talking about it. You're right. You're right. So, you know, and that's, I know it's not an easy subject. We have a lot of fun podcasts. But I think these are some of our quality podcasts because this is what people need to talk about. This is what people need to hear. And so it's, it's really nice hearing your story because I hope that it's going to help someone else. Not because it's I hope so too. yeah, not because it's nice to hear about somebody else's pain, but because we want it to help somebody. So um, I, I
1: think that if it if it helps to stop one person, one person, you know, um, obviously for me because I was impacted as a a, a parent taking their life. So uh, you know, if it, if it stops one parent from doing, you know, taking their life like they're like my mother did. And you know the lifelong impact that it has. I have a brother that refuses to have children because he's afraid that he'll pass along this gene. You know, he's afraid that it'll you know his his children will have the gene and eventually take their own life. So he just flat out he's like, I'm not having any children. And you know, so the impact is there and it's lifelong. And um, you know, it's it if this helps one parent. To to not do that, to to go get the help that they need and that they deserve. Because everyone deserves mental health, good mental health. Everyone deserves to have, you know, um, access to mental health care if they need it. There's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, there's still a stigma that goes along with it. I like it like suicide back in 1986 was like getting knocked up in 1960, you know. If somebody got knocked up out of wedlock in 1960, then she went away to school, to boarding school, for about a year and then came back. You know, kind of the same thing. Yeah. You know, so the That's more crazy. we talk about it, the more we talk about it, the more that we get it out there. I think that if if this helps anyone just to, to pause and, and go get the help that they need and they deserve, then then, you know, then this was well worth it.
0: I agree yes. 100%. I definitely agree. So it, it it's crazy you talk about that. The stigma of, you know, someone taking their life is looked down upon. But we don't know. I mean, we don't always know. I, I will never have closure with my son. So it's we don't know the struggles that they, you know, went through and, You know, I can try to pretend as his father that, you know, I thought I did, but I mean, the reality is, if I did, I wouldn't have let it. I wouldn't have let this happen. I mean, let's just be honest. So, but there's nothing, you know, I had to come to terms with is, you know, and me and Nick have talked about it. This is not my fault. It is not. And and see that it took you until you were thirty four to be able to say this is not my fault.
1: Yes, every bit
0: of it. Yeah, and see, that's really crazy to go. I mean, that's, what, 19 years? Um, Not 19 years. No, 14 years? I don't know, 19 years. Yeah, Yeah, you were 15. Oh, my goodness, 19 years of this is my fault, this is my fault, this is my... Well, maybe not that it's your fault, but, I mean, that's... I don't know, that you were going to have the gene that may be contributing, yeah. you know. Um, but I know, and I guess that is a question. As a 15-year-old, did you ever think this is my fault as a kid, maybe if I was nicer, maybe if I was better, maybe if I did things, did you ever think that? I, I, I just want to ask the question, and I, I want you to be honest with yourself. Did you ever think that?
1: Absolutely. I think that um, all four of us did. And uh, we've had conversations, you know, my siblings and I, we've had conversations over the years about it because uh, one of my brothers said that he remembers, you know, being in the kitchen with my mother, you know, being a rambunctious boy, and she was in one of her loads, and he broke something, spilled something, did something, and he turned, or she turned and looked at him and said, you have the brain of a flea. And he was like, that must have been it that must have been why she did what she did. And I'm like, why? Because you broke a dish? I know. I mean, but in his brain at that time, and that's that's how he, you know, he carried that burden for a long time because we did do family counseling initially, but I think it was too new, it was too raw for any of us to really even wrap our minds and our hearts around what had actually happened. I mean, obviously, and I think this was probably three months after she took her life and it, it, we just, we were just weren't at a place where we even wanted to talk about it. We just didn't want, we didn't want any part of that. You know, we were still processing, you know, the impact and the change to your everyday life and, you know, walking into a room and, you know, seeing something that was hers and that sort of thing. So it was, uh, it was too soon so then as we moved on and and you know obviously grew older and went on with our lives at different points we had conversations with each other about about why she did what she did and uh you know everybody had their own oh no it wasn't you it was me you know because our our child brains had had convinced ourselves of of that
2: right and it
1: was really it was it was My sister and I were walking into a store about a month after she died, and this lady that went to our church, and she was also a teacher at the high school where we went, she stopped us, and she's like, oh, hey, how's your mom? And my sister and I looked at each other, and we were like, we were so used to people coming up to us and saying, we're sorry to hear about your mother, but we hadn't been approached with how's she doing, somebody that hadn't heard and didn't know Oh, and so we kind of looked at each other and we were like, do we, what do we say? What do you, How do we respond to this? Do we inform her? Are we allowed to do that? You know, we're just kids. How does this work? And, you know, so she looks at us kind of perplexed, like, you know, we're a couple of dumb teenage girls and she's like, well, tell your mom that I said, hello, we need to get together and have tea. Cause my mother was a huge tea drinker and we were like, okay, (laughs) just kind of let her go into the store. We didn't know what to do. And so we went home and we asked our stepdad, we're like, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to tell people? Are we allowed to? I mean, that was the mark that was on. We didn't know how how we were supposed to handle it because again, no one spoke of it.
2: So what did he say? I mean, did he feel comfortable with, you saying something or just let it ride or back then?
1: He told us, I, yeah, he told us, you, you say what you want. If you want to tell someone, then do it. If you don't, then, you know, just make an excuse to walk away. You don't have to say anything that you don't want to. So yeah. he he yeah. left it in our corner.
2: It's awesome.
1: Yeah. That
0: was very supportive. That was very good. That was very good. Yeah. So, I mean, I know... That's, yeah, living that and living the mental health. I, I still, I'm sorry, I know I said it earlier, but that's still got to be really rough to, to, to have gone through as a child. So, you know, um, but, yeah, that's, um, and, I mean, considering, yeah, I know we're all old folks, you know, but, uh, yeah, that was quite a few, I mean, what's, that's 35 years ago?
1: Yeah. It'll be 36 this
0: year, yes. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, um that's that's really but
2: and I'm sitting here speechless. I mean, it is so hard. I guess because I always uh, cause I consider myself an, an empath, I want to take your pain away from you. And I don't know how to do that. Um, and it's very hard to listen to. It literally took me three days to recover when we did the episodes about Andrew and the suicide prevention stuff for me because that pain was there to hear all about it. And I want to take it away from you guys. I want, I, I give it to me. Let me have it for you. Let me hold that weight for you for however long I can hold it to give you a chance to take a breath and say, it's not your fault. It's never your fault. It's really hard to listen to that. It's tough.
0: Thank you, man. We appreciate you. it.
1: That's very sweet, although I wouldn't wish it on anyone.
2: Very true. Yeah. Very true.
1: I, I think that, uh, so a couple of things. I had no idea how prevalent uh, suicide was, people taking their lives. And um, last, last year I was in North Dakota, I was at a friend's house. And, um, while I was there, while I was in the man's home, he got the phone call that his nephew had taken his life. And, uh, you know, he kind of turned and he looked at me and he was like, what do I do? And I was like, okay, um, you know, I'll go with you to Florida. I'll get you to Florida. There's no way that you can make this trip on your own right now. Mm -hmm. They were very close. His nephew had gone in the Marine Corps because he was a Marine yeah, you know, it was just, it was, it was bad. So um, so I, I took the man to Florida, you know, and, and, you know, just let him talk. I was like, you, you, you if you want to talk, please talk. If you don't, then, you know, that's fine too. If you, you know, if you just want me to sit here and say nothing, whatever you need, I will do it for you. If you want me to take you out and just get you knee walking drunk, I will do that too. I'll, whatever it is that you need. And so we went did the you know went to the funeral um and then went back to North Dakota, got him back to north Dakota and While we were there, one of the women that worked for him, her son's best friend, took his own life of at fourteen fifteen years old had just turned fifteen and I thought, holy crap, this is an epidemic and then my friend that I had taken to Florida, he confided in me that one of his other co-workers, that that guy's father had taken his own life. And I had no idea it was so prevalent. And so at one point, it was me, my friend, the, the female co-worker and the male co-worker that both worked for him. And we all went to dinner and had way too many drinks and just talked about the people that we had lost, the people that had left us. Let me correct that. Because... That's a choice, and they choose to leave you. And, and uh, you know, so we sat there and we, like I said, had way too many drinks and talked and cried and laughed and told stories and just tried to, you know, honor their memories as we let that weight of how they laughed, what their choice was. Because um, as we let that weight kind of go to the sidelines just for that one evening before we all strapped it back on and carry it with us every single day. And, um, man, I had no idea. I absolutely had no idea from, I guess I had had blinders on because again, you never hear about it, you know, unless it's someone that's, you know, slightly famous or, you know, someone that you actually know, people just don't talk about it. And, um, and it really, really bothered me. And like that email that I sent to you, Nick, you know, when I had heard about Andrew and I was like, "Man, I know this path that Jay's family is walking, and it is a super shitty one and you know my heart just sank because you know um even though i I walked it a couple of decades before i still I still remember every step, and it is a it's it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem, and it just fucking pisses me off. I'm sorry. Yeah. It just Well, the does. awesome part does. of this
2: day and age is it's it's not so embarrassing anymore because people want help and people want to help, whether yes, it's yes. mental, whether it's just a hug, you know, anything. People want to help. People want to be involved. They want to help you with the pain and vice versa. They would want that. Nowadays, it's a lot more prevalent to be more aware of it. Hopefully one of these days we'll all be aware, aware enough to go, hey, what's going on, buddy? You having a bad day? You know, and be able to figure that out.
0: Yeah, you, know, yeah. what, you know what would be really nice, though? It would be nice if companies started offering mental health insurance.
1: There are some. but It's so minuscule. You know, like you'll, there are some companies that offer you have Three to five sessions with a, with a trained counselor or a psychologist that the company will pay for. Three to five sessions, I know, for me, when I was, you know, rapidly approaching 34, was not going to cut it. You know, it was that, was, that was a good six months that I was dealing with. Well, even the that insurance that we regularly. have with
2: big companies, it allows you to do the $20 copay. You can go as many times as you want. That's true, too. So we well, a lot of them. have the opportunity to do that. If you're working for a big company, twenty dollar copay is not a bad deal for a once a month or a once a week session. I yes, mean,
0: but is that cover is that mental health or is that just physical health? It's mental. Really?
2: I I did it when we were going through a divorce, we had to go through counseling, through mediation, all that. Twenty dollar copay. Right. All of it. Okay. I went through thirty seven sessions. With a psychologist,
0: yes, but but let's just be honest. Back then, your your company was the same company I worked for, and it was a it's had really good insurance plans. Not and many. It's still good to that day. Yes, it's still but, good right now. I know, but not many companies have the insurance that.
2: Well, that's what I was saying. If you're yeah. working for a reputable company that has just even de- decent health insurance, yeah, it allows you to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's just if really hard.
2: Shield. You can go online psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever you choose to want to talk to counseling, yep. you just type it in your area, boom. Yeah. 100 days.
0: No. I I agree with you. I think that it's is great. It, it I'm glad it's there. I didn't realize that you know, a lot of companies did that. I do know that my ex was going to see a counselor as part of that program when I worked at Enterprise. So that's yes, I know it was there, but not all companies. So the company I work for after Enterprise, no. The company after that, no. The company I work for now, no. You know they don't offer mental health.
2: You know, so it's it's not all companies do. Well, no. If they have if they have health insurance, because if you can you can go to the HR rep, somebody that works for the company I I work. For yeah, I know. I know. Can go to HR and say I have uh, PTSD. I have ADHD, I have bipolar disorder, and they will they will work with you to get you on a program that works for you, works for the company, time off, whatever it takes. I know. I'm
0: saying there are a lot of good companies that will do that, and I know yours will. I'm just saying that not all do.
2: Well, no, I agree with you.
0: You know, we need to get yeah. to the point where, you know, more and more, because if you've got one in four adults – have considered suicide since the pandemic started. I'm sorry, but we've got a bigger issue. Like she said, we've hey, got a yes. suicide pandemic, not just a COVID pandemic.
2: Nobody likes COVID, huh? Nobody likes COVID. I know that. It's a bullshit.
0: But see, I love people. <laughs> I hate seeing people take their life. Okay.
2: Yes, I agree.
0: Yeah. So. Um, and yeah, coming from the person who still is recovering from COVID. Yes, I know. I hate COVID too. (laughs) So
1: I hate COVID too. I just want to jump on that bandwagon. I Uh, hate COVID too.
2: (laughs) Okay. We're all united.
0: Yeah, there you go. I think, I think, I think pretty much everyone in the country is united on that one. How we deal with it, I think maybe is where the division lies, but I'm not going to touch that because we're going to stay away from politics. So, but. Um I will say we need a little more love in this world and we treat each other a little more respect. I think we'd be a little bit better off.
2: Definitely the word respect. Definitely I agree. Word respect. So
1: you know, I um I work with a man that is Canadian, but he has a very strong Indian accent. And um I I buy this stuff, uh just dried coconut. And so he came into my office one day, and I was sitting there eating this coconut, and I was like, you want to try some? So I gave him some. He's like, holy smokes, this is delicious. Where did you get this? So I told him. And the next time, when I went to the store last weekend, I saw it, and I saw some dried mango and uh, some green beans and plantains and all this stuff. So I got him some. And so yesterday, uh, I, I left it on his desk, and when he came into work, he finds all this stuff. And he comes into my office again. He's like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And in the interim, you know, he's told me he's down here working. His wife and his kids are in Canada. He misses them terribly. He flies home whenever he can, but, he, you know, it's not all the time. And I said, you know, I'm just trying to be nice. I'm just trying to be nice. I know that you miss your family. So, you know, if this is able to put a smile on your face for today, then that makes me feel good, too. So I, I just I just wish more I said, you know, I'm just trying to be a decent human being. I wish more people could just do that. Just yep. do that.
0: You're helping his mental health. You are one hundred percent No, it it's not hope so. You are one hundred percent helping his mental health because it is hard when people have to leave their families and you know, when they love their kids. Yeah, that's a hard thing to do, you know, and so um, that was, That's very sweet. It's nice of you to share. Um, the mental health is really prevalent and little things. Your random acts of kindness. Really want to say thank you for that.
1: I wish more people did it. Maybe it'll catch on now. Maybe they'll listen now listen to you guys and it'll catch on.
2: See, Maybe. that's what we'll do. We'll promote the show. Everybody listen up. Promote it. We need everybody to be nice to one another. Respect one another.
1: Exactly. And listen, and listen. When someone tells you that they're not doing well, stop and listen.
2: Yeah, talk
0: saves lives. Talk saves lives. Well, folks, we're uh, we're kind of wrapping up here. We um, of course want to thank Abigail again. For thank sharing. you. Abby. Um, you know we we enjoyed the first episode. That one was a little more fun. We really enjoyed this one, um, but not not because of. Because of the subject, but because we hope her story will touch one of you and save someone yes, and that's yeah. the key so, and that's what we're here to do and if we can save one life, then we enjoy bringing you this content and that's and the key I, point
2: What do I always say in these in these podcasts? Send me an email yeah, whether it's you want to you know. Uh, these guys pick on me all the time, so that's normal. You can pick on me, but if you're having a rough day, send me an email. I guarantee you I got something funny to say because that's how I roll.
1: Yes. Send me an email. So. You guys can put my email out there, too, on this one, too. If you want to talk to somebody, if you, you know, send me an email. I don't – I I just – whatever it takes.
2: Yes. We got the hookup. We
1: have the hookup.
0: Yes. Just remember, Abigail, too, has her blog refreshingly50.com um, we really appreciate that she has some really great stories and they're not yeah, all crazy it. some of them are good stories she shares information posts and stuff about herself and the reinvent and the, you know all of that so you know definitely go check out the
2: blog i like the crazy yeah i know <laughs> you always do i like the crazy
0: so, but, you know, we, we want to tell you, you know, follow us, share us, um, you know, share uh refreshingly 50.com with your friends, you know, it's uh, there's some good stuff out there, so go check it out and, you know, send her an email if you have some questions, you know, I know for, for me and Nick, I know some of you women may not want to send us an email, but Hey, you know, send Abigail an email, you know? And maybe she can, uh, f- you know, talk about it on a future episode if you want her to. So we've got, uh, I think we've got two, two or three more coming up. Uh, the The next one, I think, let's see. So next week, let's shoot for the crazy first dates. There we go. Okay.
2: Do a good. <laughs> do a good. So sitting.
0: we'll 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 ask her to share some of her stories from her website if you want to enjoy the stories with a uh, with some nice funny pictures that she does she does a really great job of writing these stories you can go check it out but i you know we hope and she'll share a couple of really funny ones with us we're going to let you choose which ones so you know you you get to choose the craziest whatever we'll we'll flag it for explicit there you go but uh you know we're going to um you know we hope you guys uh will join us you know, again, when we ring Abigail next week. Um, but follow us, share us, email us. You know, we hope you enjoy the episode. I had a great time. Like I said, not because of the subject, but because I wanted to help somebody. And talk saves lives.
1: Yes, it does. Talk saves lives. Stop and listen.
0: Yep. So. Pay
1: attention to the people around you. Yes. You can tell.
0: Yes, ma'am. Anything else from you, Abigail, that you'd like to share with the friends, the fans?
1: Um, I would just want to thank you both again. Thanks for the invite. Um, it was my pleasure to share my my story and my mother's story, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to talk about her and, and this journey.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Nico? Yeah, I love you, brother.
2: That's all I got to say.
0: Okay. I love you too, man. (laughs) And fans, thank you for all you do. Peace out.